Becky's going to come up now to read our passage for this evening. And uh, if you want to start turning in your Bibles, it's Psalm 119, and it should be on um, page, I think, 619, 619 of the Church Bibles. So I'm reading from verse 49. Remember your words to your servants, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have, chosen, who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. I'm just going to pray for Rui before he speaks. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the privilege of being able to read your words. Thank you that the words in that song that we sung are truths that we know because of the words written down in this book. Thank you that we can trust them. And Lord, as we turn to look at them now, I pray that you will speak through Rue. Pray that you will use the time that he spent studying and thinking, that the words that he uses will be your words. And Lord, if any of them are not words that you want us to hear, I pray that we won't and we'll miss them. But Lord, I pray that you will give him your Holy Spirit and that you will speak clearly now. Amen. I don't know about you, but throughout my time as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've struggled to know how to read the Psalms. I... (laughs) It's not just that I was rubbish at English literature when I was at school. I was absolutely terrible. I just could not understand poetry. I just couldn't get the hidden meaning that poets were putting into their different verses and the different things that they wrote. It just went so far over my head. The tempo, the meter, the imagery that they were using in their poems. I was just absolutely dreadful at English literature. My brain just could not cope with that sort of creative writing. And so when I come to read the Psalms, I really struggle. I don't know if other people do as well, but I really struggle to to understand the imagery and to understand the poetry that's in these Psalms. Because not only are they poetry, but they're from a different culture, and they're from 2,000 years ago. I feel like I've got no chance of understanding them. But I want to, you know, one of the things I want to give thanks to God for is that actually we live in a time when there are, there are so many books, there are so many commentaries, there are so many devotionals, there are so many studies that can help us and guide us to understand these books and other books of the Bible much better. 
And the reason that's really important is because God's words are really important in our lives. God's words really matter in how we should live our lives day by day. But I think I've got another problem with the Psalms. It's not just that they're written in a type of of writing that I struggle with. It's also the fact that sometimes I read the Psalms and they just don't seem to fit with what's going on in my life. When, When Becky was reading just now, verse 61 said, I'm bound with ropes. I'm not. I'm not bound with ropes. Verse 62 said that the earth is filled with God's love. When I look around, I look around at the world and I don't see God's love everywhere. And there are other countless examples from God's words, from Psalms, that really feel that they don't fit with my life. Reading the Psalms, it can sometimes feel that they just have no resemblance to the lives that we leave. So, so how are we to approach these words of God? Because these are God's words to us. They are God-given words to us. Well, fortunately, although my brain is not made to understand poetry very well, actually all of our brains are really made to, to talk with our creator God. We have been designed to speak with our creator, to to listen to him and to talk to him. I might not get Shakespeare or Byron, but I can use the words of Psalms to talk to the creator of the universe. These Psalms are God-given words to us that help us to know how to talk to him. They teach us how to pray in a way That we are always in step with God's words, with his ways, and with him. So the Psalms are a fantastic part of God's words. And our passage tonight talks a lot about God's words being the best thing ever. They are. I've just got to say right at the beginning, though, we're going to talk a lot about how we should use God's words to to help us and guide us through life. But we are saved through what Jesus did on that cross. I want to make that really clear right at the beginning. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, was buried, and came back to life for you and for me. He died so that our rebellion against God is absolutely dealt with, and we can talk to our Creator We can talk to that God, our Father. It is his gift of grace. But after we've done that, after we've accepted what Jesus has done for us, there's still a journey to go on. There's still a life to live after that. This morning, if you were here, you would have heard Josh speaking from 1 Timothy, where he's talking about the fact that the way we care for one another, the way we care for people in our families, and in our church families, really does demonstrate the depth of our faith in what Jesus has done for us. You can read it in James as well, the book written by Jesus' own brother, that actually the way we walk after we've been saved does really matter. The Bible's really clear that we have to accept the rescue that Jesus made for us on the cross, but afterwards there's a walk for us to go on. If you've ever read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, if you've ever read that, there's a main character in that called Christian who very early on in the book, it felt to me when I read it, comes to the cross of Christ and lays his burdens there. The rest of the book is all about the rest of his journey to the celestial city, to heaven. 
And that is a real image of the lives that we have as Christians. We do come to the cross. We do have salvation there. But there's still a walk of faith that goes on after that. And just like Christian in that book, that walk of faith is full of twists and turns. It's full of hazards. It's full of problems. It's full of difficulties. It's full of things that are there to trip us up. And I think that's where I can then relate to what the Psalms are about. That actually, that's the kind of walk that I'm going on as a believer. It's not a straight path. It's one that is full of difficulties. It's one that is twisting and turning. I don't know about you, if I asked you to put your hands up now, but I I think I would see a a forest of hands go up, but your experience of life as a follower of Christian, a follower of Christ, I'm sure, has not been an easy one all the time. I'm sure that when you first told your family that you wanted to put your faith in what Jesus had done for you on the cross, that you, you weren't met by everybody with absolute joy. Or I'm sure that when you've stood up at school for believing in Christ, stood up against something that's happening there, or at work when you've seen something that you just feel is unethical happening at work, or in your families when you see that some sort of behavior is just wrong, when you've stood up for God's ways there, I'm sure that that has not been easy. So it may feel like a strange place to start, but we need to understand that these Psalms are speaking to us as we go on our walk of faith. As we seek to follow God's ways in this world, and as we search for words to express how we feel about the joys and the sorrows that come from that life of following Christ. We see in the Psalms words that we can use to express our joy, our pain, our confusion, our assurance, our doubts, everything that we can experience as followers of God. Early believers in Jesus were called followers of the way. Yes, we've been wonderfully and marvelously saved by Jesus, but we are now on a journey. We are, we've not reached our final destination. We're on a daily walk of holiness. And the Psalms help us to understand how to talk to God on that journey. They give us the language to use to talk with the Creator God. So that's in general all Psalms. How are we to read this particular Psalm, Psalm 119? How does it help us to talk with our Creator? Well, if you were here a few weeks ago, Dan gave us an introduction to this Psalm. And actually this Psalm is full of words focused on God's words. It uses lots of different language, lots of different ways to describe God's words. It says things like statutes and laws and words and promise and decrees and precepts. There are so many different words to describe God's words, God's words. The different way the psalmist uses this language is there to help us to reflect and draw on the comfort that we can get from God's words as we walk through life. So we're going to read again the first eight verses of our passage for tonight and see the journey that we're taken on by this writer. So from verse 49... Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. 
I'm going to pause there because actually this is the first time in this psalm, in Psalm 119, that we have the word struggles appear or suffering. This is the first time that we've had that. We're quite a long way into the psalm, but actually this is the first time that this is appearing. So this, this particular section, these particular eight verses are all about how we can deal with suffering, how we can deal with that pain. And the first thing to notice that the psalmist says that your promise preserves my life. The psalmist knows from what God has done over history that actually the promises that God has made are ones that he can absolutely draw on. He's seen the promises that were made to, to the Israelites as they were in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt and God said he would rescue them and he rescued them miraculously and brought them to a promised land. All promises he had made. All promises he had made. And there are countless other promises in the Old Testament that this psalmist would have seen and would have been able to draw on. And he would have said that actually in his suffering and in his pain and in the things he was going through, he knew he could trust in the promises of God. He knew that God's words, his promises, were things that he could rely on. Absolutely. For the next couple of verses then, we see that um, some of this suffering is coming from people who are who are mocking the person. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I don't turn from your law. So he's being mocked for the fact that he's believing in God's promises. He's being mocked for believing that God's words will be true, but he's not turning from them. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. That's a huge, huge thing, isn't it? That actually when we're in the middle of suffering, drawing on God's words and God's promises are the way to get comfort. But then he talks about indignation, gripping him because of the wicked, people who've forsaken God's law. He knows that actually the best way to find comfort in suffering is to follow God's words, is to listen to what he's saying. And he's just so annoyed by these wicked people who are just ignoring God's He can't understand why they're ignoring God's words. But instead, he says that your decrees, Lord, are the theme song wherever I lodge. He knows that he's on a journey. He knows that he's traveling. Another word for the, that I found in another translation was actually, your decrees are, are my theme song as I'm journeying, as I'm a sojourner. He knows that he's on a journey through life. He knows that God's decrees are the theme song that needs to run throughout his life as he's journeying. But he also knows that verse 55, in the night, in the dark, when we fear things, when we're troubled, when we're worried, when we're scared, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law, I may keep your words. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. These are fantastic words, aren't they? These are fantastic words that tell us all about the comfort that we can get from God's words. God's words bring us comfort. When you're in the middle of some dark time, some time when you're standing up for God and you're angry at the way that people are reacting to you because of that, read this psalm. Read this bit of this psalm. This talks about your pain. This talks about your suffering. This talks about the fact that you, when you are standing up for Christ and you're walking for him, You will get indignant about people not listening to God's words. 
You will feel angry and annoyed at people for not following God's words. But you've got to make them the theme song of your life. You've got to make them that thread that runs through your life that guides you through all of that. In the middle of this suffering, this writer is remembering to cling on to this covenant-keeping God. And he finds comfort and he finds songs to sing in the night. God's made so many promises in his word to us. The best one that we find is actually in 1 Corinthians verse uh, 20 of chapter 1. Where it says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. This Bible is full of a rescue plan for us. A promise that God says he will bring a Messiah who will restore our relationship with him, who will deal with our rebellion. And that promise is ultimately seen in Jesus. God has promised to walk with us through life. And he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. But what we're meant to do is draw on his words. Read his words. Listen to his words. Absorb his words. So that when we go through those times, we can draw on them. We can draw that comfort from God's words. Let's go on to our second portion here. Actually, I've just used the clue to this next one. Verse 57 says... You are my portion, Lord. I've promised to obey your words. And when I was saying that it is so good to have commentaries and so good to have books that help us to understand these things, I never realized that the word portion to the original readers would have had such depth of meaning to them, would have had such richness to them when they heard that word. The word portion is there in the book of Numbers. It's there throughout it. It's there in Deuteronomy. It's there in Joshua. And it's always there when it talks about the Levites, that tribe of Israel who were set apart to be servants in God's temple. They weren't given land. But instead, throughout all of those books, it talks about God being their portion. God is the portion that they get as their inheritance. They were a visible sign to the rest of Israel that their journey had not finished, that they still needed to rely on God, that actually their portion wasn't full, that there was still more to come, that the promises that God had of a new heaven and new earth and Zion for them were still to come. But actually, it was also a sign that God was all that they needed. They didn't need to rely on the land. They didn't need to rely on their strength. God was their portion. God was all they needed. God was all sufficient for everything they needed in life. You are my portion, Lord. That's what the psalmist is saying. You are all I need, God. You are all I need to journey through life. I know that I'm still traveling through this world. I know that I still haven't finished my journey. But you are my portion. You are the only thing that I need. I've promised to obey your words, he goes on to say. I've sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. 
I've considered my ways and I've turned my steps to your statutes. So again, he's saying that I'm not going to turn away from your ways, God. I'm going to carry on walking on your path. And I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. He's still traveling. He's still saying that actually your words are something that I'm going to rush towards. And I'm not going to delay in listening to your words. I'm going to make it my biggest priority. And then it says, though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your Lord. Whatever may delay me, whatever may stop me on my journey of following you, Lord, I will not forget your words. At midnight, again in that dark time, I will rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I can't help but read that and think of Paul and Silas when they're in that Philippian jail. It says there that they rose at midnight and sang songs. They gave thanks to God, probably when they were in chains, not in ropes, but they were bound by the wicked themselves. It just strikes me that actually they must have been singing this psalm. They must have been drawing on comfort from this psalm themselves when they were in that prison cell. That's just mind-blowing. That actually throughout the years, followers of Jesus have drawn on his words to guide us. To guide them. I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. The last verse, verse 64, ends with recognition that the earth is filled with our Lord's love. There is no part of the earth that is exempt from it. There is, it is touched, all of it, by God's love. No person is excluded from that love and it overflows so that it fills the whole earth. God's love is sufficient. It is enough for everyone. There's no part that it can't touch. So this part of Psalm 119 starts with the word portion, that God is sufficient, and it ends with this loving sovereignty, this God who loves everyone, but he's still sovereign. We see that in these verses, and we can sing these verses ourselves. We can say these words ourselves because we have an all-sufficient, sovereign, mighty God. And that should motivate any of us to follow his words, to, to read his words, and to keep his words right at the middle of our lives. He is our portion and the whole earth is full of his love. We've got to turn to his ways, we've got to hasten and we must not delay. I think these verses are fantastic. I think these verses are fantastic but I just want to wrap things up. We're going to spend some time looking at some questions that I'll bring up on, on the screen in a sec. But the writer really wants us to walk around these words. He wants us to, to see how precious they are from so many different angles. God's words are the most precious thing we could have. They're a bit like a diamond. I think that's what um, somebody said in one of the talks that we've had one evening. And the psalmist wants to show us different facets and different parts of that and how it affects our lives. And we need to see all of these features to see how we can enjoy God's words in our lives. And this, this twisting and this turning, it sometimes feels that the psalmist is going off in tangents and going off in different directions. 
But actually, that twisting and turning is probably a better mirror of what our lives are like. Our lives are not linear. We don't become babies, children, adults, and go on from there with no problems in our lives. Our lives twist and turn and take all sorts of different directions. This psalm allows us to move in and out and and through it in a way that really parallels our lives. These verses in particular help us to see that God is our comfort. If you are going through something now that is painful, if you are going through some sort of rejection by people, God is your comfort. God is your comfort. His words help us through times of trouble, through dark times. But he's also our portion. He's all we need. He is sufficient for everything. He is an almighty God that can do anything. So whatever we might be facing, he is our portion. So I'm hoping that as we spend some time looking at these questions, we can just really revel in the fact that this psalm is here for us today to help us with the things that we face each and every day as we journey for Christ. So we're going to spend that time now. We've got two questions. We've got two questions up there. And I'd probably encourage you around your tables, before you go into the question, read each eight verses together. Read the eight verses, go on to the question. Read the next eight verses, go on to the question. We've probably got about 10 minutes or so to have conversations around your table. And then we'll have a, a time of, of prayer around our tables before we come to our time of communion. Um, So if you want to spend 10 minutes or so just looking at the questions, that would be great.